if Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's <Yeah. laughs> The Egyptians had some of the most advanced mystery schools of all time. Uh, you know, people talk about the pyramid, the Great Pyramid was built by aliens and all that kind of stuff. Who could have that kind of brain power back then? But they don't realize the initiates did have that brain power back then. <laughs> they were fully capable of doing that stuff. Welcome back to the America Show. We are going to be chatting with Dimitri Moraitis a little bit later about uh, heaven in the astral realm, all that sort of fun stuff. We got Graham back in studio for the first intro. In, this is going to be a fun intro. In a month, month and a half? Oh, probably at least, yeah. I mean, we were going to do it last time and we didn't, but now I'm back. I'm you back. I'm almost back. I'm almost back fully from COVID. I'm looking forward to this intro. It's going to be a fun one. You're back, yes. Yeah. Dimitri, this was a great chat with Dimitri. I mean, your immune system needs some work. We're going to have to whip that into shape. Oh, yeah. Well, it's just my obesity, probably. Are you obese? I was. Technically obese? Probably. I mean, I'm short, dude. I mean, you should see the fucking standards that the government so, like, has for you. So if you're short, you. you're like, it's a, is, the game, is the obesity game rigged against short people? Of course, dude. You know how hard it is to stay thin when you're 5'5 five, five and thick already? I like, don't. I wouldn't have anything to compare that to. <laughs> I've never been. You know, if they say, I mean, the oh, here's time, your ideal weight, you're like, come on, it's impossible. Bro, the last time I was 5'5 five, five was in like the fourth grade. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm probably already shrinking, so I'm Actually, I've probably, no, probably was. I'm trying to think. It would have been, I guess, when do you sprout up? It was probably more like grade seven. I don't know, because I was I went to the doctor and they said, Yeah, they're like, I'm they're like, well, it still might happen when you're 18 or 19. It might happen, uh, but just hold up. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Oh, I had those visits to the doctor. You know, but at least your brutal. weight was up, so you're never like under height and underweight. That's true. Yeah. Your no, no, no. I was no. You. I was always I was always pretty thin. Well, I don't think you're obese. No, I wasn't always pretty thin. Actually, I was pretty. I was pretty ripped as a. Teen, I don't think you're a, obese so much as your. You don't get out enough. You don't move around Dude, enough. oh my God, enough of this. Every fucking week you're hounding me about that. I, I worked last week, part-time, physically. <laughs> the part-time, just fucking, I work, dude, part-time. <laughs> I don't mean just work, though. I just mean like No, I, I know, but. I, exercise. Yeah. Well, maybe I am exercising. Are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll get back into it. Well, this is, I feel like it's my job to. Okay. Back all right. Okay. Okay. Let's, I'll, because I'll do I don't it. think you're obese. I don't think. Uh, well, I'm not anymore because I, I lost eat, like 17 I think pounds. You eat but well, you have a good diet. Uh, it, for the most part. Yeah. We just got it. Maybe we should run. That's what it is. It's da- honestly, that's what it is. It's daily really jogging. It's running, daily jogging or something. But Brandon's it's, like, you got to run, bro. I know. You exactly. That's, I know. This is what sort of inspired me. Is because Brandon, even me doing the daily walking and going upstairs, it's still not enough. I know, like compared I know. to when I was doing push-ups and sit-ups Dude, wait and that kind years. of stuff. Wait 10 years. Exactly. It's not even going to be close to enough. <laughs> I know. <laughs> when, you, when you hit 50, like it's really, you have to be doing it daily. 
And Brandon's I'm back like, into the meditation. I'm back right into the in daily meditation. Yeah. And that dude's running like eight yeah. kilometers a day. Yeah. Now I don't even know if I could make it eight kilometers. Well, that's weird. No, that's, but that you're right. That's what it is. It's the daily exercise. Cause I'm doing the daily meditation. I just got to fit the, I just got to get my lungs back from the Rona and I'll be okay. I Cause mean, I feel like even at, when we, when you're at a day job, I feel like getting like ragey, that counts as a little bit of cardio. Oh you fucked up. <laughs> that doesn't count. No, getting mad that doesn't, doesn't count, count as exercise. <laughs> getting stressed out. So I it's got a, the opposite. So I got some great content for this intro. I got mm. a couple. I got a couple uh, things to talk about past guests. I've got uh, a CIA reading room thing to share. About like it's a, it's all about this. It's all about this. Like. This this show is very non dogmatic. It might sound like he, you know, like heaven and the astral realms and all that, but this is these guys have been doing this research for a long time. It goes along with the Theosophical Society stuff that we've been talking about. As yeah, well. we did talk to, about Blavatsky quite a bit in this yeah. one. Yeah, your narrating has really got you to be able to hold your own on those Theosophical. Uh, conversations. I don't know about holding my own yet, but it's uh, it's it's coming. I mean, I it's mean, got a, some of it's got to seep in, right? You've probably read more of those books than most people at this point. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because it because I have to read. I can't just skip around. I skip through it. I got to go through the whole thing. And right? you're like reading parts of it over, and probably the like hardest parts you have to read. Like I mean, five times, sometimes, sometimes like, seven oh, times. I got to reread fuck, something. Bro, oh, yeah. <laughs> it took us like eight minutes to get through that sentence. Oh yeah, dude, it's tough. I mean, because I got high expectations of quality. I mean, I can't. It can't just slough. Well, it's it off. come a long way. Natasha and I were listening to the esoteric structure of the alphabet. Uh, and well, that was a long time ago. And comparing that, that to the newer oh, stuff, right? and yeah. it's just fucking night and day. Well, that one is impossible to narrate, too. It's just the esoteric? All this, yeah, because it's all, you know, talking about vowel sounds and stuff that's But very, you're still just reading then. Yeah. Now you're narrating. Yeah. There's some style. Well, I mean, I did and now you the, try to fiction. I know, I tried to fiction once. I mean, once. We'll everybody's going to buy the fiction See what it sounds like. here. I might play a little a little highlight reel of your fiction. Oh my god, this is embarrassing. Okay, let's move on. Let's I can't let's move wait on to the content. To hear the ex, the uh, what did you call it? You're like I didn't do voices. I did expressions. Expressions. I can't wait. This is like Christmas. Don't, no, 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 no. Like, see, this is not fair. We got to keep it away from. We got. I told you to just it do. Won't you got to test bad one. You have to do quality like control a, first before you do anything with it, dude. You can't be like a make fun of you. I just want to share some of your. It's expression. gonna be that though, dude. It's gonna be that. You can't look. We just had a confidential chat, and now you're bringing it up. What confidential chat? About I, I told you to check the quality and all this stuff. This was before we started oh. recording, and now all of a sudden you're making you're gonna put it out and. Well, we're gonna release it. Well, after you double check it all, like you have to, this is a, oh, I have this the is utmost a whole, confidence. Oh my God. I have the utmost confidence in your ability you. to narrate at this point. I don't believe you. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for the fiction. Ugh. I'm excited. Can you give us an exact, can you give us an no, example? No, no, we're just going to, I've got enough content for this intro. I can't, I can't get Next week? Maybe. Yes. I can't. I can't. <laughs> we got to keep it separate. I couldn't imagine. We have to keep it separate. If you want imagine. audiobooks, you go to adultbrain.ca. This is podcasting. There's it's completely no way different. I could I'm do not going to start. expression stuff by myself in a room. There's no way I could do it. <laughs> just, I, just please just listen to it and listen to it and let me know real feedback. I'm sure it's great. Before you start putting it out there. I'm your biggest fan. 
Okay. What do you got? Well, I mean, this is an astral realm episode. I've got some feedback, some some follow up from uh, our old guest from the Astral Dojo. This is quite a long email, but I figure it's worth. Uh, I figure it's worth going through the Astral Dojo. Yeah. What episode was that? It was um, not too long ago, like maybe five, ten episodes back. Oh, dude, now I can't find the email. Oh, that's so frustrating. I thought I had it open. Oh, maybe oh, there got, it is. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Sometime. Okay, I got it. Going through your favorite show. You've got something to say. Sounds like Soul Asylum. All right, so this is not really listener feedback because it's a it's a guest a past guest following up with his astral travel. You literally said I have a listener feedback, Hebrew. <laughs> That's I? why I played the jingle. Did I like, I, well, I think so. I, I mean, I'll have to I, check the tape, but I like left the program I was in to go into uh, the email. Okay, to get I'm them. sorry. I'm sorry. So this is from this is from the House of Heathens. We had him on not not long, too, not too long ago, and he says, right. "Wait till you hear this shit." So this, I'm going to read this whole this whole email because it's a it's a applicable to our chat Was about the TTS? astral realms. I have trouble fucking tracking who's on what show. That was the regular Grammar show. Yeah, Grimerica. you bet, you bet. Having spoken to me at length, I'm sure you can tell that among my astral constituents, I'm fairly conservative in my beliefs about how much power we actually process. Or possess during projections. I believe that people wishing to visit black holes are morons. I don't believe that through astral projection you can travel to the past nor look ahead to the future. In general, I don't believe the astral realm is a metaphysical free-for-all, just as the real world is bound by laws of physics. I've always asserted that the astral world is governed by some unknown set of ethereal rules, which are almost impossible to break, or require so much concentration and training which actually our guest for this episode will provide that they are simply unachievable in actuality. This leads me to my latest adventure. As far as astral projections go, I haven't had an Oh fuck type of experience in about a decade until this specific encounter. I've seen countless dead people, entities, guides, loved ones, etc. This was somehow different. Allow me to narrate from the beginning. I just fallen asleep and within seconds I realized I was dreaming. Without hesitation, the scene shifted slightly and the ambiance began to pop out as if it were injected into a whole new spectrum of color. The vivid color change clues you in that you've just transitioned from a run-of-the-mill dream state to an astral projection. That's interesting. Nothing strange here that tends to happen. Immediately, I felt myself being pulled from behind. I was going backwards, so more like towed away. On this specific night, I was in an adventuring mood, so I shrugged and thought, fuck it, let's see where this takes me. Poof. I was transported to a house with a floor plan structured in almost an identical way to my grandma's from past years. From years past. My comfort zone had always been and always will be in my grandma's house. Again, this is fairly common. Inside this house, I was standing on the first floor, and immediately I could feel another presence there with me. I looked at the stairwell in the living room and saw a blonde woman, and I mean blonde, who, without looking at me, beckoned me to follow her with a simple finger wag and began walking up to the second floor. 
Nothing about her demeanor or energy felt threatening or intrusive. I get the metaphor, Blondie, I thought to myself, follow the white rabbit. Duh. As I began to trek up the stairs to dive deeper into the rabbit hole, only one idea was monopolizing my thoughts. Astral strange? Astral sex isn't uncommon, but it's rare that an entity would initiate the encounter. So to be honest, I was a bit enthralled. I walked up the steps and peered into a bedroom, but she wasn't there. When I was on my way to check the second bedroom, I spotted a staircase leading up to another level of the house. This level does not actually exist in my grandmother's house, so I assumed that the woman wanted me to walk up the staircase as well. At the top of the steps, things changed drastically. Instead of leading to a third floor, before me stood a wide-open doorway that led to an apartment of some type, and I could hear several voices coming from within. As I walked through and entered the new room, I couldn't see this mysterious woman at all. Instead, I was greeted by three guys, all around their early 20s in age. I've been in the presence of many entities, but this was different. I think these may have been real people. The apartment wasn't like any astral environment I've traversed before. Likewise, these individuals did not have that fog of confusion that most astral souls generally possess, nor did they show signs of the smugness inherent to most spirit guides. No, gentlemen, I believe I somehow found an apartment with real people. I know this may sound confusing. Please allow me to clarify. These guys seem to be real-world people in the middle of a real-world party of some type. To show you how bizarre this would be, if that were the case, I have never in 500-plus projections seen a real person who was active in the real world in an awake, alert state during a projection. So I invited myself into the apartment. There were three gentlemen in this room, all around 22 years old. One of the guys looked up and noticed me entering stealthily. He was screwing with a TV remote at the time and seemed bothered that I had arrived. Fuck, I can't have all these people over. This place isn't big enough, he said, obviously referring to my uninvited presence. He can see me? That's all I kept thinking. That's all I'm still thinking about days later as I'm writing this letter to you. How is this possible? I've always brushed aside any notions that real-life awake individuals could see or interact with astral travelers. You can see me, I asked. He looked at me, then went straight back to ignoring me as, continued, as he continued playing with whatever remote he had in his hand, clearly annoyed because, in his eyes, I was an unannounced guest. Immediately, I asked him, almost insistently, where were we? When I was asking this question, I honestly had no idea what that type of response I would be greeted with in return. We're in quick, one of the other guys said. Oh my fucking God, I thought. Can they all see me? Since this member of the group was a bit more friendly, I turned to him for a follow-up. Quick? That's the city, I asked? Yeah, quick, he answered. Just then, the door, the front door, not the one I came in from, opened and in walked an Asian guy most likely in the same age bracket. I'm assuming he was their friend and got an invite to this party because they greeted him a whole lot more kindness that they showed me when I entered. He may have lived there as he put his bags and snacks down beside the mantle. After a brief nod of acknowledgement in my direction, the Asian guy, the Asian guy turned on the TV, not on the remote, but on the set itself. The other guy must not have known how to do it and was trying to figure it out on the remote to no avail. 
I got to the attention of I got the attention of the Asian guy again asking, where is this place? We're in quick, he said, most likely not realizing that someone had just told me that moments before. I held up my hands to form a rectangle of my index finger and thumbs, asking him to show me on my hands where Quick was located on the map of the U.S. At this point, I was desperate to figure out where I had traveled to, trying my hardest to ascertain whether or not this was indeed a real location in America. Their lack of accents seemed to point to either the northeast or western parts of the U.S. Unfortunately, he was now giving his full attention to the television screen and my point to our current location on my homemade map of the U.S. idea went to waste. I could actually hear the TV playing, although I didn't take a look at it with all the chaos going around me, and I distinctly heard a newscaster talking about Australia and how it was becoming an authoritarian government and heading to becoming a war zone with all the lockdowns and restrictions. Fuck, this may indeed be my real life, my mind reeled. If this is real life, I'm going to disappear soon. Will these kids think I was some type of ghost? The Asian guy asked one of the original three where all the other party guests were at. I'm not sure which one responded, but someone responded, there's a few people in the bedroom hanging out. Around this time, my ability to stay in this projection was waning. I walked to a doorway, which I presumed was the bedroom he spoke of. I couldn't see much, but I could make out a bed and at least one person, a girl who was laying down. I plopped down on the bed and used my hand to nudge the girl, hoping that she was the blonde I initially followed. I could tell that I touched someone, but that's the last thing that happened before I was warped back into my body. Summary, gentlemen, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been in this shit. However, I've never experienced anything like this. I was always of the belief that I was unable to interact with anyone that was awake and conscious. Could it be possible that all this time I was wrong? If that is indeed the case, did they see me as some type of ghosts, projection? They didn't seem scared. In fact, they just a tad annoyed because I was some uninvited guest at their party. Wow. I figured I would share this with you. If you know anyone who lives in or around a city named Quick, let me know. Or if you hear of a ghost story about a disappearing person at a party, well, that's mystery solved. Talk to you soon. Did you hear anything? Hmm? Have you heard anything? No. Huh. I've always like, I don't know how, because I've had crazy dreams like that, you know, but I've never thought of it as maybe I was astral traveling. How do you tell the difference? Well, he said there was that whole color shift, that color change, like things became more real for him. I mean, I guess, who was it that, who was it that said they thought they should always be sleeping when they were astral traveling? Did that come up recently? Oh, oh, I think it was another, oh, it was another episode I was listening to for, for an upcoming on someone guest. Else's show. Yeah, on someone else's show. So I think you can astral travel without being asleep. So that you would be able to tell that you're, you know, that you're astral traveling and not dreaming then for sure. But I mean, to, to switch between a lucid dream and astral traveling, I don't know. That's a tough one. You know, I feel like that's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the newscaster's never going to say that. They'll never tell us that Australia's not looking good. What do you, what do you mean? Well, it's not going to be the news. And what has the news said now? Nothing. Well, it could have been Sky News. I mean, there oh, is Sky News say stuff. Yeah, they're they're pretty. They're pretty. It's amazing that they're still able to that they're not canceled. <laughs> yeah, that they haven't been canceled. Yeah, 
<laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. That's just fascinating. It's, it's kind of good timing for this episode, uh, about all these astral realms. I mean, was that the fourth, like maybe cause this guy, you know, um, Dimitri talks about all these different levels of realms, right? Like they talk about the fourth astral realm and the fifth astral realm. There's, a, there's different levels. I mean, maybe he reached a different level, hmm. you know? In the quick, in the quick, in quick. Hey, what a weird quick Arkansas. What, quick, yeah. I haven't, I haven't like. Googled, I just made Googled that up. I don't know if that's around. real or not. All right. So I got some feedback from uh, the Union of the Unwanted. Oh, so uh, you sent me two emails. This is listener. This is listener feedback. Some other sort of. But feedback. before I forget, no, no, no. Before I get to move to that, I want to talk about another past guest, Blaze Kennedy. Do you remember? Blaze. We had him I do. on. I liked Blaze. Yeah, he was fantastic. He's yeah. from BC, actually, pretty close by to us. Probably only like five, six hour drive. But he says, uh, like, and I'll put a link. What? More like four. And I'll put a link to the show notes in this. But he says, hey guys, I'm running a free five day masterclass, fancy name for a series of Zoom sessions on the transformation of consciousness. The five Zoom sessions will run from October 27th to 31st. Perhaps you or some of your membership would be interested. I'm putting out some email and social media content in the next week. Let me know if I can tag you to help promote this. So I will put his uh, Instagram or his website or whatever in the show notes. And uh, yeah, he's been on a couple other shows since he was on ours. And uh, yeah, I think his work is fascinating. Yeah, I really enjoyed that episode with Blaze. Yeah, I agree. How to increase awareness, I think, was his main thing. Is that what we were talking about? Mm -hmm. I forget, but I know I enjoyed it. So that email was quite long that I read. I don't know if I, I have a whole project operation to get into too. You want to do a wapo 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 and, and a couple and I got the listener email listener feedback on or we can save that maybe for why don't we save that for next week? Okay, and do the oppo now? Yeah, I'll do the oppo and save the listeners stuff. What's that noise? But it's military to me. Definitely military. Probably classified too. Dish fire. Prism. Sentry eagle. Sigma. Mannequin. Artichoke. MK Ultra. I wonder if Operation I can export project. this board somehow. Yeah, maybe onto the iPad. So, anyways, this this I I gotta admit we did I did do this already. Uh, probably like. Maybe six months or a year ago, but it's worth sort of repeating. And I'm going to read from an, an article about it, uh, not just from the actual declassification of the Department of the Army, U.S. Army Operational Group, Intelligence and Security Command, Analysis and Assessment of the Gateway Process. Star Gateway? the astral projection gateway process from the Monroe Institute. Oh, this so is this like is like the arm. This is. This is the declassified. Is this like Russell Targ and those guys? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, there's a good movie about that. Was that Men Hysteric? Okay, so this is exactly where I'm going with this. So this is this is uh, from SergioMontiero.medium.com, and this is the CIA's gateway process declassified, part one. And he says, at the beginning of 2009, the comedy The Men Who Stare at Goats, there is a disclaimer that some of the plot elements are based on real events. It doesn't say which but some new information about a CIA secret CIA program was declassified last year. So in the film soldiers were selected to be part of this military program, examining whether it was possible to affect the physical world with thought forms. They would, as the film title states, stare at goats while willing for the animals hearts to stop 
While this sounds, sounds fantastical, quantum theory does say that the waves of probability can be affected by the act of observation. Whether to be extreme of stopping a poor goat, goat's heart or remote viewing something from a great distance is anyone's guess. What is true is though is that the CIA had indeed thought this feasible enough to devote resources to studying it. So this is the analysis and the assessment of the gateway process. And it was declassified last year. And I highly suggest you read it. I'll include links below. And he's got a quote here from one of the scientists. This is occurring at a very long wavelength of about 40,000 kilometers or just about the perimeter of the planet. In other words, the signal from the movement of our bodies will go around the world in about one seventh of a second through the electrostatic field, which we are embedded. Such a long wavelength knows no obstacles and its strength does not attenuate much over long, long distances. Naturally, it will go through just about anything, metal, concrete, water, and the fields making up our bodies. It is also the ideal medium for conveying a telepathic signal. That's from Itzhak Bentov, a scientist who worked on the CIA's gateway process. The TLDR for this is the gateway process was a meditation lesson that taught humans to harness their own electromagnetic energy waves, which come from their body. It also taught them how to control brain waves and use them to essentially detach from time and space. As the body is turned into a coherent oscillator vibrating in harmony with the surrounding electrostatic medium, the specific exercises included in the gateway process allow the participant to build up the energy field surrounding their body, presumably by using energy from the Earth's resonant field, the same resonant field that was the basis for much of Tesla's work, which the body then entrains because of its ability to resonate with it. This is big. Aside from the obvious question of what nefarious purpose the CIA was hoping to achieve with this process, it's hard to miss the deduction of what detaching from time and space means. Fourth dimensional travel with all that that implies, heaven, afterlife, a different dimension. Two things make me believe this document is detailing a real process. One is that it was found on the official CIA website. The other is an email from Podesta, from that Podesta hack during the 2016 election. In one email, a former astronaut writes to Podesta. This is interesting. Because the, excuse me, because the war and space race is heating up, I felt you should be aware of several factors as you and I schedule our Skype talk. Remember, our non-violent ETI from the contiguous universe are helping us bring zero-point energy to Earth. Oh, fuck. What? What? Was this in the Podesta leaks? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the choice of words there is interesting. I can, oh, sorry, I said contiguous contiguous oh it is see he gets it wrong here he says contingent a contingent universe doesn't suggest a great distance through space but a different dimension altogether so i mean i went through some of the this this um, actual document last time so i'll just uh i'll just briefly go through it but this is from June 1983, and it talks about, this is the beginning. You tasked me to provide an assessment of the gateway experience in terms of its mechanics and ultimate practicality. 
it soon as 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 I settled to fulfill this task, it soon became clear in order to assess the validity and practicality of the process, I need to do enough supporting research and analysis to fully understand how and why the process works. Frankly, sir, that proved to be an extremely involved and difficult business. Initially, based on our conversations with a physician who took the gateway training with me, I had recourse to the biomedical models developed by Itzhak Bentov to obtain information concerning the physical aspect of the process. And it talks about Niels Bohr in here and his quote saying, you are not thinking, you are merely being logical. The the physics of altered human consciousness details with some conceptualizations that are not easily grasped or visually visualized exclusively in the context of ordinary left brain linear thinking. It says uh, the right brain intuitive insight to achieve a complete comfortable grasp of the concepts involved. Nevertheless, once this is done, I am confident that their construction and application will stand up to the test of rational critique. So he goes, I mean, this is, this gets really Interesting how they talk about the mechanics that um, underlie the basic operation of related methods, such as hypnosis, transcendental meditation, and biofeedback. And they get into all that, all those subjects. They talk about the kundalini psychosis or transcendence. Talk about acoustical waves are the result of altered rhythm of heart sounds, which are occasionally occasioned by prolonged practice of meditation and which set up sympathetic vibrations in the walls of the fluid filled cavities, which comprise the third and lateral ventricles of the brain. In addition, according to Bentov, the states of bliss described by those whose Kundalini symptoms have completed the full loop along the hemispheres may be explained as self stimulation of the pleasure centers of the brain caused by circulation of a current along the sensory cortex. Ooh, I know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get into like the gateway and the hemisync process, lamp versus lasers, uh, frequency following responses, the role of resonance, brain stimulation, energy entrainment, consciousness and energy, stalking the wild pendulum, holograms. I, I should narrate this, actually. We should put this out on audio. I think we can. It's a government, it's a declassified government document. We can try. We should put it out on, we should just publish it on audio. Like as a book or as As a book, the part encodes the whole, the consciousness matrix. I mean, this is fascinating because this is a full report from the department of the army, army intelligence or whatever it was that I read earlier. They talk about the brain in phase, the evaluation, self-cognition. I mean, it gets into time and space dimension intervening. I mean, this is like, from the early 80s, dude. Send it to me and I'll check and see if we can publish it. Yeah. Without going to jail. I'm, I don't want no, to go to Guantanamo. I'm, no, no, no. I'm pretty sure we can. I looked it up. That if, if it's if it's government stuff that's, uh, that's open to the public, I think you can. Of course, when we talk about those books, we're talking about all our books over. Are you done? Yeah. Our books over at adultbrain.ca. I'll put a link in the show notes too. Where we've got the swipe right for those show notes or left or whatever it is. Most of the apps it's a swipe now. I know that. What are you talking about? Like to get into the show notes if I'm listening to a podcast. Oh. I just like swipe right or left. Oh, okay. And like usually, usually one, side, a, one way will be one side of show notes and the other side will be like little special settings, bass boost, things like that. 
Adultbrain.ca if you want to get on those audio books. This one's on there because we've got another one, Metal, coming out right away. The Ancient Religion of the Chinese is out and for sale. Through the Magic Door, Isis Unveiled, Volume 1. All of the Secret Doctrines, the Secret Teachings of All Ages. Unabomber Manifesto. I mean, you name it. There's a ton of great titles over there. Head over to, uh, if you just head over to Audible or iTunes or wherever you get your audiobooks, audiobooks and type in Graham Dunlop or Gramerica or Adult Brain, any of those things should pop up the list of books we've done. Or you can do it through the, if you go through the Adult Brain site, it'll only navigate to Audible because that's where 95% of the sales go through. Um, we should redo that site one day, I guess. But yeah, get those audiobooks. Great way to support the show. Supporting the show is a great way to support the show, too, over at grimerica.ca slash support. Sign up for a monthly, make a one-time donation to help keep Graham not homeless. This is his gig now. This is what Graham does. I mean, obviously, he's been doing some part-time painting. That's uh, <laughs> been very rigorous. <laughs> it was, dude. It was It was tough, man. I, could only, I was getting dizzy. I could only do like a couple hours, four hours, and, and that was because of the COVID, you know, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And the obesity. <laughs> you said it, not me. I would never have said such a thing. I've always referred to you as huscular. We, I mean, we have a shirt, grammarica.ca slash swag. If you feel like you're a little huscular, maybe you're that cross between husky and muscular, grab yourself a huscular shirt. There's a bunch of other great shirts over there, too. I haven't put up I've been that. called beefcake before. You haven't. There was that like was, a running good, thing bro. where you're a beefcake. This is like, this is what I'm talking about. These are the glory days of Graham Dunlop mm-hmm. in Graham America. Graham this is Graham before America. the obesity came Beefcake. <laughs> yeah. Graham beefcake Dunlop. <laughs> oh, man. We like a rap song out of all your little outtakes. Beefcake. Uh, so grab that. Support the show. We can't do it without you. Of course, we're going to have... We're going to get to a quote here in a minute, but we're also going to play. You don't have a quote this week? No. This no like I swear I had all this other stuff. 550 episodes in a row and just nothing. Uh, oh. <laughs> no quote this week. Uh, so we'll wrap it up with this. We're going to have the Mark Fiorentino best of here for five or six minutes before we jump into the interview. Uh, if you want to catch this, you can catch it over on Rockfin or we also interviewed it. So first we interviewed him on Great America Outlawed. So there's a regular podcast of that. If you're a Plus member or if you want to sign up for Plus, there's a two-hour podcast with him. And then over on our Rockfin premium uh, video content, we've got the presentation. More of a visual presentation. Yeah, yeah. where he kind of puts some visuals to that, a bit of a slideshow presentation. That's uh, up this weekend as well. Um, or you can go listen to the podcast, decide if you want to watch the video. Either way, support the show. We can't do this without you. We are you know, transitioning into this being our livelihoods, so it's more important than ever. We need the support more than ever. The world's a little weirder than ever. Um, we're trying to go. We're trying to grow. America.ca slash support. Other than that, enjoy this chat. It's a good one. It's, uh, oh, look who's texting me. Jesus. Oh, it's Paul. Paul from Jasper. Jasper Paul. Um, so yeah, enjoy the chat with uh who is it again? Dimitri Morita. Oh yeah, the DMT. Uh I use Dimitri as my DMT. Oh, do you? Code word. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. You just capitalize you the D, the M, and the T. Take away the vowels and Oh, I never thought about that. No, then there's still an DMTR, R yeah. Ooh, what's that? That's know. like fucking Redux. This sounds like fucking 
like a weird off round of techno psychedelics. <laughs> DMTR. <Yeah. laughs> All right, guys. Enjoy the chat with uh, Dimitri. All right, here we go. The origin of mass, gravity, and inertia. This is basically the unified field theory as I'm going to discuss uh, the origin of gravity, mass, and inertia, which basically is all the same thing. They come from the same mechanical process. And then after that, once we understand how gravity is formed, we're gonna discuss anti-gravity. There is only one thing that physically exists. That thing is the ether or space, the space-time continuum, whatever you wanna call it. That is the only thing. Everything is made and built from that object. The ether is a quasi-elastic solid. It is the fundamental field. All things that we observe are simply different manifestations of this real physical object, but he didn't have the mechanical link. We're gonna get that today. I'm gonna demonstrate it for you. I'm gonna show you how it works and it's gonna make perfect sense. And it's going to, going to confirm Einstein's principle of uh, equivalence that acceleration and gravity are the same thing. This is what's going on inside of the proton and the neutron. And this was discovered uh, by a lady who had a near death experience and she calls this thing the pattern. And I went searching for it because I had a suspicion that if the father, the creator wanted us to know about it, he would send a message back through an NDE person. So how I got this idea to do this, it's a long story in itself. It's in the book. This is the basic mechanism. This is where I got the idea from the slip wave. I got it from particles. It's a similar thing that the the Wright brothers did to to develop the airplane. They watched nature. They watched birds. Leonardo da Vinci, the same thing. Noticed the wing structures and such, and they started building aircraft with wings and shapes. You, You look at nature to find the solution. I looked at nature to find the same solution. I said, hey, Aliens are getting here and they're not using rockets. And when we see their spaceships, there's not jet flames coming out of them. There's nothing coming out. They're using a spatial bias field. And the only thing we really have to work with is magnetism. The accelerated motion of unbalanced fundamental charges causes gravity, mass, inertia. The pattern to be recognized. All electromagnetic particles have mass except photons. This is my happiest thought. Uh, Fundamental balanced charges, such as the photon, always move in a non-accelerated linear motion. I remember the day I realized this. This is the day I realized how mass was formed myself. They analyzed pictures of the Belgian triangle taken with ordinary film back in the 80s. When they analyzed the film, the emulsion itself, the material, the that was in the emulsion was magnetized. It takes a hell of a strong magnetic field to, and they were at, you know, I don't know how many yards away from that UFO, but it still affected the uh, magnetic structure of the film, the emulsion. Electromagnets would be even better because you could just turn them on and off. You don't have to spin the whole thing. Make it a rotating magnetic field. The faster this rotates, the stronger the magnetic field, the more gravity shielding you're going to see at the weight here. 
And basically this thing is going to float up and this is going to go down like the scales going right here. Huh. It's going to be, this will become lighter and this will, will remain the same. It will of course be heavier than though it was balanced before, but with the rotating magnetic field underneath this object, it will shield from the gravity and it will become lighter. That, that's the kind of experiment we just need to, so that we can start figuring out how much magnetic field strength we need yeah. and how much rotation we need to get the effects that we want. We want yeah. to be able to propel the ship and we want to be able to make it weightless. This equation here is incredibly important. Maybe more important than E equals MC squared. C, the speed of light equals one over the square root of permittivity times permeability. When you use a strong magnetic field and you stretch space, you pull it apart, these two numbers drop. If you drop them to zero, which has been done, Harvard creates a material that lets light go infinitely fast. All right, we've got an exciting episode tonight. We've got Dimitri Moraitis with us. Uh, he's the author, the co-author as well, of Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution, A Mystic's Guide to the Afterlife and Reaching Your Highest Potential. Fantastic book. It's uh, great to have you on and chat about it. Thanks for joining us, Dimitri. Well, thanks for having me on your show. It's a delight. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's really interesting timing. I've been talking to some people about uh, about uh, mystics and, and adepts training in the astral realm, and then I was reading. Oh, and I'm thinking, goodness. I wonder if they read. I wonder if it's from this book, like that they were talking about it. But it, it's uh, it's very interesting. Uh, book we've been reading some of uh, Blavatsky's stuff as well recently, sure. so it it kind of sure. fits in. It kind of fits in with. Uh, it's very interesting. A lot of the learning that we've been doing here. So oh. I mean, I guess maybe let's start with the basic question of like why why did you decide to to write this book? To write the book, yeah. Well, uh, it's actually part of a series of books that we've written on the seven spiritual arts, and this one is based, like you say, on this idea that there is a great beyond. And there are realms in the spiritual world, and we're kind of part of those realms now. And a lot of our work is based on what Barbara has experienced, you know, through her clairvoyant experiences of actually being in these realms. Um, we actually are familiar with them. We kind of came from them before we were born, and we're connected to them now. We're going to go home to them again. So, you know, we kind of think of the other side as a place when we die, but it really is connected to our life now. And interesting, you're having discussions about the astral worlds. That's Those are very important realms. They're literally the next realm from here. When we go from here, we're going into those astral realms. So it might be a good idea to learn about them now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how, how do we be, because you were mentioning before we started recording, like we were talking about, you know, the astral realm and how you, you might be learning from that realm already, or you might be going there at night, or you might be going there and, and not really being fully aware or realizing it. Yeah. Well, well, that's a great question. One of the key notes of the whole book. Um, since we came from those spiritual worlds, we're part of them now. You know, uh, Teilhard de Chardin said, we're not physical beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. You know, we're in this physical world, but we're spiritual. So we've always been part of those worlds. We're going back to them, but we're connected to them now. Now, there's several ways we're connected to them now. One is through inspiration, which we can talk about a little, a little later. But you hit on a very important note about sleep. 
I know this, I don't know if this is going to sound strange or surprising to some, but often when we sleep, yes, our physical body's at rest, our mind is at rest, but our soul can be quite active. And many times we're closer to the spiritual worlds at night while we sleep. And there are times periodically, we may not bring any memory of this, where we're literally taken in those realms to kind of keep us connected to those worlds. And they also help us with important decisions that we're making or if we're very sick and need healing. You know, the the idea is we're supported throughout our whole journey here. It may not feel like it at times, but we are. So I guess one one of my main questions of course, is is how do we, if we want to bring more awareness to being in yeah. these realms, um, how, how are some of the ways that we would go about doing that? Because, you know, it seems very um, ambiguous to people, right? I mean, all, all these astral realms, these heavenly, heavenly realms, I mean, you guys go through all the different sort of yeah. like, yeah. Uh, 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 not, not necessarily layers, but... Um, uh, what would you call it, I guess? Dimensions. Dimensions, Dimensions. yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, uh, uh, the, the, the Bible talks about my father's house are many mansions. What many people don't realize is the other side isn't one place, it's many places. There are many dimensions, and they're real places that you can actually be part of and visit, but they're also states of consciousness. You know, Earth is kind of a melting pot. You can have, let's say, a Mahatma Gandhi standing next to an Adolf Hitler, and they could be physically in the same room, even though their vibrations may be vastly different. But you wouldn't find that quite as much on the other side. You're going to find yourself in a spiritual realm, not necessarily with people like you, but people with similar vibration. And as far as connecting with them, well, one of the basic things, and this is for any aspect of the spiritual life, is meditation. Your ability to start meditating, which kind of, it's sort of you taking a pause from the activities of life to go to the inner part of you and commune with that inner part of you, get that inspiration you need, and then go back into active life and put it into use. So we recommend in all our training classes, everything we do, meditate daily. Make it a daily part of your life. And don't make it you know, at the end of the day, when you're exhausted, do it when you're in full alert and in a sense, build your, your, your day around it. And you'll notice everything is kind of flowing better and you will be more in touch with inspiration. Right. Right. And what kind of meditation are we talking about here? Well, there are many different kinds. The kind that we practice is called meditating with divine light. So what we do is we work a lot with our auric field. So the aura, some people think, oh, Auras are like green, I'm blue, you're green, someone else is pink. No, we're multifaceted, and the energy of your aura is literally fueling your evolution. And you can call in more of that power. So let's say I don't have a lot of confidence right now. Maybe I have to ask for a promotion at my job or something. Um, and I don't have the guts to to go in there and ask for it. Uh, in the aura, confidence comes through as this brilliant gold light. So you can literally meditate, ask that gold light to come into your aura. You still have to go there and ask for the rays, <laughs> but you'll, you'll notice you may have more confidence because the energy of that confidence is more part of you. And actually, you do, you do have some of those meditations in the back of the book, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, if I had to pick an aura for you right now, it would be gold. <laughs> oh, well, that, well, I guess I'm kind of wearing a little yellow. <laughs> <laughs> That's Darren's first aura reading ever. There we go. Sounds great. Sounds great. 
Am I hired? Uh, I guess so, you know, you guys do mention it's very, um, it's very non-denominational, right? It's very non-dogmatic. It's because right. you because you do talk about heaven and you do talk about some of the ancient religions and the and the right. ancient ancient um, philosophies, but it's it's not like it. It seems very open to um, non-dogmatic principles, I guess. Well, you're talking a little bit about Blavatsky. I love her quote: "There's no religion higher than truth." Yeah. And we have to look at religions as like different facets of a same jewel. One one practice may emphasize one thing, another, another, but they're really, if you take away kind of the maybe institutional part of it and just look at the spirit of it, they're all part of the same picture, and they're all really aiming for the same thing, but a different way of doing it. So, you know, some people think, yeah, heaven is a religious topic. But it's not. Heaven is a is a is a human potential topic, and it's a spiritual topic. We, as our first chapter in the book says, you don't go to heaven; you grow to heaven. It's an evolutionary process. So I can't. I'm a good boy. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm a bad boy. I'm going to go somewhere else. It, it's not really like that. It's more like like attracting like. So right now we're all vibrating a certain level in our auric energy. If I had to transition today, if I went home today, I'd take the light I have today, not yesterday, not tomorrow, and that would determine where I go. So I'd find a place there that's corresponding to that. So we say the most important thing you can do on this earth is earn light. Thus, you're going to take that with you. You're not going to take your fame, your fortune, but you are going to take your light. Thus, that that uh, the all the religions that tell you to live a good life or whatever, right? Exactly. Because exactly, it's every day. If you live that life, then you're taking that with you. Absolutely. You know, it's a funny thing. They say nobody likes an egotist, but the spiritual egotist is worst of all, you know, where you think, Oh, because I know a few things I'm better than other people. There's some people that don't even use the word spiritual, but they're living a more spiritual life than others that, you know, say they're spiritual or religious. You know, the person that goes to church on Sunday, cheating their partner on Monday, because of showing up doesn't mean they're living it. So the, the ancients to me, like you talk a a little bit about the the mystery schools in there and, and some of the ancient religions, and they seem to be obsessed with uh, death and or astral travel or out of being, you know, like this, this metaphysical, uh, these metaphysical realms. So I feel like they knew a lot more than we give them credit for oh, when, it gosh, comes, yeah. when it comes to, yeah. to this ty- type of stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, there was a day when the inner mystical tradition, the mystery schools, that sounds like you've been studying, uh, they were honored and revered. They were part of society. If you, if you were in a mystery school in those days, it's kind of like saying, oh, you were a top Navy SEAL. You know, not everybody was going to do it, but it was highly respected. Um, Interesting, even what we're, the discussion we're having now, it wasn't that long ago. The only way you would have had that discussion is if you were in a mystery school or an ashram. But today, the interest has exploded because there's more and more people ready. So how amazing it is that we can be talking like this, broadcasting it on such a really an esoteric topic. I mean, it says what a remarkable time we live in. It is. It's the, time, the only time when us profane are able to learn what the initiates learned. 
Exactly, exactly, exactly. That that's it, the time has come, as the inspiration has been telling us. There's never been a better time to grow spiritually than today. And if there's a theme of the book, it's you know I'm sure many people listening to your show have had some type of a spiritual prompting, and that's not accidental. That's the divine knocking on your door, and answer the call. This is this. If anything, make your spiritual life a higher priority in your life, and every part of your life is going to blossom, not just that one. Yeah. Before before I forget to a- ask this question, it's it's this conversation I was having with somebody that it seemed to click to me that there's these there's these super s- smart, um, well traveled. Uh, they know many languages. These people in in our past five hundred to let's say fifteen hundred years ago, and and she was mentioning that, and you and you mentioned it in in your book. I don't know if you if you actually show these examples, but that there's training, there's training, there's temples, there's in the astral realms that you can go to, and that that some of these adepts are have been spending years in the astral yeah. realm training and it's only taken hours out of their physical life. Um, and it made me realize that some of these people, they like even Paracelsus or these, these people oh, that yeah. know all these different languages and are well-traveled and they know alchemy and physics and astronomy. And I mean, how, how do they, do you think there's a, a real, um, a real well, case to be made for people soul, learning? Right? They, like, they, yeah, yeah. Um, well, there is a lot of training that goes in. You, boy, you really are jumping into the deep end of the pool here, are you? <laughs> um, that there are these training centers in the inner worlds. Um, the other side has a lot to do with training because we have to think of Earth like a school. So from the metaphysical perspective, we come here essentially as students, if, even if we don't think of it that way. And the inner worlds are sort of the headquarters, the training centers where a lot of this is, is a lot of this area is coordinated. And sometimes we go there for special activities. For example, uh, one of the things you notice in the book, we had to bring up the subject of reincarnation, that no matter how good a life you live, one time is simply not enough. You got to think of a lifetime like grades in school. You know, um, I could score straight A's in first grade, but I'm not ready for graduate school yet. So each lifetime we're learning more, we have to reincarnate and a very interesting thing we put in the book, for example, let's say a couple's getting ready to, to bear children uh, or have a child, um, they will be taken to the inner worlds, believe it or not, to meet the soul that's going to be their new son or daughter. And there's an agreement on the other side, okay, you're going to be mom, you're going to be my dad, and I'm going to be your son or daughter. So you actually, even though we don't remember it when it starts to happen, that there is an inner thing because it's not just a baby being born. There's a soul in that in that body, and it's a, there's a plan. So you can't say you didn't choose your parents, and you can't say you didn't choose your kids because <laughs> you did. Does anyone remember? Oh yeah. Well, again, you know, it's funny. I I know uh, I want to talk a little bit about Barbara tonight. She actually does bring back memory of the souls of her two children coming in, saying, "We want you to be our mother." That must have been a pretty wild experience, um, you know, to go through that. But sometimes it can be brought in. Um, you know, let me just talk a moment about Barbara because her her skills are so phenomenal. Um, you know, three years old, she was uh, starting to see auras. And this is in the Depression era. 
No one was talking about things like that. You know, her father, a Greek Orthodox priest, he also used to build churches. So they would travel all over the country on almost next to nothing. Uh, six kids the mom had to raise. Uh, but when she was 11, she started getting her first training uh, from someone that could also see the aura. Many years later, when they moved to California, she got another training from another advanced mystic to teach, to prepare her to teach. So this was a very slow, gradual process. And when I started with her many years ago, I started as a student. And, um, you know, I was very happy with that. But uh, I didn't realize she was slowly grooming me to eventually, you know, carry this torch and continue the teaching work. But it's been very gradual. It's not, nothing's happened like, my leapfrog. The only leapfrog was my own spiritual awakening. I came to LA, California to pursue a career in film and television, and things were going pretty good. And um, I was having these sort of, well, I didn't even know what the word metaphysics was at that point. Uh, I wasn't against it. I just didn't know what it was. But I was having what I call these inspirational moments, kind of heightened awareness, insights, clarity. It was They were beautiful, but they kind of came and went without me controlling anything eventually they became so strong uh it led to my awakening and again i still didn't have a name for it and then when i realized it was metaphysics i couldn't couldn't stop you know studying and researching and doing everything i could fortunately a year later i met barbara at a dinner party my first meditation was with her and then i just started pouring out i had so much on my mind i thought it was a nice conversation she says i was interrogating her but uh Eventually, I realized, oh, my God, the woman's talking from from experience. This is the one I have to study with. And that kind of got the whole road going. So we all come from our own place with this. But again, you know, when they say follow your bliss, you know, when you follow the things that excite you the most, even though there may be twists and turns in the road, um, it'll eventually lead you where you need to go. So did you did you end up? forgetting the whole Hollywood movies, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like did that, you did know, you lose interest was, in all that at all? Or, Oh, I really, I mean, I really loved it. I, I thought it was, uh, but um, this was like, I had to do this, you know? And um, at first I thought I could do the two together, but I like to joke, you know, movies is a jealous mistress. She wants all of you. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So um, it started, and when I started saying what I was interested in, my some of my film buddies thought I, you know, I lost my mind. So um, it just it wasn't it wasn't gelling together. And then I realized, now this isn't for everybody, by the way, because I could have had a career in film and personally pursued my spiritual interests, but it was becoming clear my career was supposed to be in metaphysics. So that was really the change. Actually, there's a great story that Barbara tells about. She was there in the golden age of Hollywood, and she was friends with, like, Cecil B. DeMille, the big filmmaker. And when she went to, to his set and saw him for the first time, she saw immediately he had the mystic sight, and he saw it in her. And that's not in any of his biographies. And they became, like, instant friends. And, you know, look at his subjects, like, you know, the Ten Commandments. I know today we think, oh, it's a little dated. But at the time, that movie... Uh, people literally woke to him saying, thank you. I, I, I found, you know, I found my spiritual life again. I found God again. Wow. So we all express it in different ways. It doesn't have to be as a teacher, but the goal is to bring that spirit power, whatever you have into everything you do. 
Wow, that's fascinating. And now you teach, like, just to continue on with that vein, you have uh, a place in Encinita where you teach classes. Right. And right. Do you want right. to so talk about we that? Are, we're global, so you can join online. We were doing video long before the Zoom era started, <laughs> you know, um, where everybody realized, hey, I can do a conference call. Um, so, um, but we also have an in-person training center as well. We do what we call sort of blended learning we can be in person and online. And, you know, training in metaphysics, I say it's a little bit like learning a musical instrument or learning a language. It takes time. You don't get good at it overnight. So there are these weekly classes. It started with Barbara doing them many years ago. And then we had like this encyclopedia of notes. And eventually we started to, uh, you know, write the books and write the training manuals and organize the teachings. And so now we have these different levels of training. And I think one of the best thing about also is just the people you're working with such wonderful people and they want to better their lives. I mean, there aren't that many professions where that's the end goal, you know, it seems to me like the people that are into metaphysics, they're more grounded than you would think. And they're, mm -hmm. they're take, take personal accountability and they want to improve they want to look at themselves. They want to, to grow. Yeah, they're yeah. taking more. And I think there's a blossoming. There, there's a maturity in the whole field. When Barbara started, everything was like psychic. Oh, you know, she, they thought she was a psychic and everything. So they were kind of caught by the phenomenal stuff a bit, you know. But now I think, like you're saying, it's more mature now. It's also more mainstream. I mean, you got yoga in grade school now. I mean, could you imagine that even 20 years ago? You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I do have to ask about the Blavatsky and the and the Theosophical Society. I mean, they seem to be warning against any of this kind of um, opening yourself up, even yoga. I mean, even yoga, they were like warning against yoga, unless you were an adept or unless you were initiated. Like, be careful about any kind of astral travel, any kind of connection with the divine. I mean... How do you well, guys? How do you guys minute, approach a that? Maybe differentiator. Yeah, actually, boy, you really have interesting question here. Um, so, in this, so we were sharing. You know, the other side has many dimensions to it. Not all of them are beautiful. Okay, not all of them are enlightening. Not all of them are opening you up to the divine life. So, actually, interesting enough, you mentioned a lot the astral. Those are there's some very developed, wonderful places in the astral, but there are also some very primitive, undeveloped levels in the astral. So what you really want to do is get your inspiration from beyond the astral. You want to get it from the, the heavenly. So the psychic part of you is connected to the astral. But the problem with that is the psychic part of you is really no more developed than you. And it's not really going up. It's sort of going sideways. So what they're trying to say is don't get caught in the psychic belt. Barbara used to say, why are you stopping at the sixth floor when you can go to the penthouse? You want to go to the divine source. It's a little harder to reach that source, maybe not as sensational at first, but that's where you're going to get the real answers. Because, uh, you know, in the book, we share with you some of the dangers of the psychic stuff and how you can pull from the lower and not even realize that's what's happening. So there is a cautionary tale here. Not everything labeled spiritual is, in fact, spiritual or, in fact, good for you. We have false prophets in every, you know, there's con people in every field, and they're false prophets. And especially if someone smells money or advantage, they may jump on it and try to take advantage of people that don't quite understand. And part of the practice must be to, to enhance discernment 
Absolutely. That's the whole key. But isn't that in everything? Look at today. Aren't we in a process of having to discern almost anything right now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're challenging just about everything at this moment. Yeah. But it is a point to say, you're right. Discerning is a choice, right? You have to, oh, here's the fool's goal. Here's the shiny stuff that's fool's goal. Here's the real McCoy. You have to learn the difference between the two. And sometimes you'll make a mistake, but you'll learn from the mistake. Okay, I'm not buying that stuff again. That's not the real stuff. This is the real stuff. So we will make mistakes. There's no nothing wrong. You know, who gets through school without making a mistake? Mistake, but we want to learn from them. We want to learn from those mistakes. What, what about people that have troubles with attacks from from those realms? That maybe maybe they don't even realize they're coming from those realms, but maybe yeah. it's sleep sleep paralysis type stuff, demonic entities or shadow people. Um, um, well, like because you mentioned free will. Like whenever yeah. th- whenever free will comes up, I think well these people don't choose to be attacked by these, these entities, you know? No, no. I mean, no one says, Hey, I invite the entities into, no, they don't do that obviously, but two things, very interesting. Um, number one, uh, one of the spiritual laws, cause you know, our first book is all on the aura, change your aura, change your life um, is no, no, nothing or no one can enter your aura unless somewhere you're permitting it to happen there has to be an open door somewhere like that like the vampire being invited in kind of thing well yeah i mean in other words if i get if i open up to anger and hatred and you know those are lower emotional energies if i'm not careful that can trigger you know uh, an invitation to an unpleasant energy uh the other thing is there is such a thing as spiritual protection where you can put golden light around you you want to keep your mind and heart and consciousness in a strong place. As a matter of fact, we recommend putting the light around your bed at night before you sleep. Because, yes, when you're sleeping, you're kind of opening up, you're relaxing. And, yeah, if there's something that's not the greatest thing nearby, um, you don't want to accidentally, you know, connect into it. That's good. So there's some protection things you can do. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we learn to protect ourselves a little bit, right? When we go on life. And unfortunately, there's some psychic things we have to be careful of as well. Yeah. Darren, do you got any questions at all? Or? No, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's, the load here. <laughs> I mean, let's get into yeah. some of the, these realms are very interesting because, they're okay. you know, they get into, you can get into the, like I said, the the learning uh, academies in a way, temples right, right. and all this kind of stuff. I mean, right, 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 right. Well, um, first of all, I think as, as we say, you know, we all have a glorious destiny. I mean, if anyone thinks their life is worthless or it's all hopeless or, you know, sometimes we fall into these despondent states and that's just our own, you know, our own feeling of things. Really. We are, the thing we have to all realize first is we're this, we're not our body, we're not our mind, we're not even the light of our aura. We're this immortal spark of life that we call the soul. And the soul is precious and it's divine. And it came from, you know, the highest celestial kingdom. Now, it was immersed, like literally planting a seed in the ground. It was immersed in creation so that seed could grow. So all that we're going through now is really part of a growing process. And as we go through these planes, you know, if I ask 20 people now that are spiritually minded, what does it mean to grow spiritually? I, I guarantee you I get 20 different answers. But from the metaphysical perspective and what we're sharing in the book, 
Growth has a very specific definition. It's literally growing through these various dimensions of life. So we are all destined for heaven. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And each dimension has its own lessons. Now, the beauty is what you're saying is these lessons are things we're dealing with now. For example, the astral worlds. One of the basic lessons of the astral worlds is to master your desire nature. What do you how many how many how many go arounds does it take? Does that depend on how well you learn the lessons? Do some people take longer than others? Um, it's well, it's interesting. Um, the arc, and I know this is going to sound like a big number when I when I first share it, but the arc from our first steps in clay feet when we were sort of in the caveman days to uh, to reaching that pinnacle is about eight hundred incarnations. Wow. Some do it a little bit sooner, like you say. Some are just a little bit more on the ball. Some take a little longer. They're the, a little bit more of the stragglers because we do have free will and we can cooperate with the plan or we can say, forget about it, you know. But eventually we realize life is a lot more fun when we cooperate with the plan. It's just like if I'm jumping in the water and I'm splashing around and I can't swim, after a while I'm going to get bored with that. I better just learn the laws of the water so I can swim. You know, and that's really what the higher life is all about. So in the 40, 50,000 year range. Well, how long, again, that, you know, that, remember, there's also time on the other side. So you, you tend to spend, let's say if I had a hundred life, hundred years on this life, again, this is, I don't want to, you know, it can definitely vary, but you could spend a hundred years on the other side. In you between. don't spend thousands because you'd lose touch with the earth. Now, the only time you come back quickly is if you really did die prematurely. You know, some people, it's their karmic destiny to die young. Other times, it doesn't happen. So let's say after World War II and all the deaths and all that happened there, a lot of people reincarnated really quick. I think there's an interesting book that came out about that where people were remembering, you know, some pretty grim things that were happening. These were little kids talking about this. And so they were, they must have been remembering something. So they come back quickly because they didn't have the chance to complete, you know, what they had started. So it really depends on what they call your karmic chart. So we do come in with unfinished business. We do have, our talents are not accidental. Um, our weaknesses are not accidental. You're supposed to accentuate the positive, like the song, eliminate the negative. You know, if some people come in with a great, you know, voice or something like that, but they don't pursue it, that's kind of a shame because that didn't come out of nowhere. You know, doesn't mean you have to be a full-fledged opera singer, but you should do something with your talent. Uh, what about the, what about the, uh, this is going to be a difficult question. <laughs> the the elite the uh the initiated the the people that have that have learned how to recognize uh past lives and and move yeah. forward in blood maybe even in bloodlines but move forward in these secret societies let's say that are able to to bring uh their past with them uh yeah. to help control the world or to help uh you know i i do feel like that's a possibility right now Oh, there's a lot of those people around now, you know. Um, so interesting you mentioned those societies. Again, in the ancient days, the, society, the, 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 the centers were well known. But during, especially Europe, in the period of time where that kind of thing wasn't accepted, the societies had to be kind of secret. 
but they were still very influential in politics and business and culture. Culture. You could say, you know, for example, Europe probably wouldn't have had its golden age without those societies yeah, you know, yeah. that were guiding things in the background. So those were developed souls that came in to carry major missions. And they, who knows some of the good that they did, you know, and some of them are very famous. You know, it's funny, you can have a very advanced soul, but they may not know their own spiritual status. So, for example, in Abraham Lincoln, the highest shared was a heavenly soul that came in. But he did not come in with the awareness of that status because it probably would have interfered. I couldn't imagine being fully awakened and being involved in all that political environment of that day. <laughs> he probably would have lost his mind. He almost did anyway. You know? <laughs> but it was able to look at what I mean, this, this was such a milestone, not just for the United States, but for humanity. I mean, legalized slavery was a done deal after that era. You know, so that was a major mission. Uh, same with something like uh, um, an Albert Einstein, you know. But then you have others that come in, you know, a Buddha or something like that, that fully awakened, you know, gets fully awakened and is at high advance. And yes, they could start a world, a world movement as he did, you know. But even he had to go through his learning experience, right? It didn't, he wasn't like just automatically born like that. He had to go through the whole process. Well, what about the, what about darker forces? Let's say is there is there a risk that they are all, they are coming in as well and and taking over things as they can? I mean, I mean, uh, you mean dark energy, get, dark force. Well, what? Well, evil, good and evil. I guess. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You can call it evil. Well, there is evil. I you know I hate to say there is evil influence. I don't think we have to. It's not a surprise to know there is evil influence in the world. Um, but what can happen is some of these advanced souls can get tempted. You know, they can get pulled off the path, especially in their, usually in their, when they're not fully yet established, they can get seduced. Uh, it was very interesting. I don't know whether it was seduced by the dark, but Max Heindel, when he started his leadership in the Rosicrucians, the, 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 the Holy Ones came in from the other side and they said, we, have, we were preparing somebody else, but he failed his tests. So we're coming to you now. Wow. Well, <laughs> so it's not a guarantee, you know, yeah. it's not a guarantee. <laughs> Actually, well, you, you guys even have that example in the book about that lady, the woman who was, you know, going through the Egyptian mystery schools exactly. and she got tempted and taken into the, the, the dark side. The dark side. Yeah. 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 It does happen. And it's a, it's a lesson. It's a lesson. Don't take anything for granted. Don't take your talents for granted. Don't take your wealth for granted. No, none of this comes from us. It comes through us. But if the ego gets involved and thinks, oh, you know, the cat's meow. Barbara had a great story when she was a teenager. Her spiritual talents were opening so fast uh, that, yeah, she said at one point, I thought I was pretty hot stuff. I, I could sit in class. I knew what the question the teacher was going to ask. I knew the answer before she even asked the question, <laughs> you know. And one morning she woke up and all the talents were gone. Everything. Wow. No oracy, no connection to the higher, nothing. First, she couldn't figure out what was going on. She said it lasted for about two weeks. And then she realized, oh, wow, this is them. They're, they're teaching me something. They're saying my gifts aren't coming from me. They're coming through me. She was taking them for granted. Or, exactly. Yeah. And she said, I never took it for granted ever again. And I never seen her do it ever the whole time. I've known her 37 years now. 
and never seen her take her talents. As a matter of fact, she would call me. And she says, "If you ever see me sitting on my laurels, you call me on it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's and talk that, a little bit more about Barbara and her and her teacher too. Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, there's so many great stories. I have to tell one just for fun. Um, so, as I mentioned, her father was a Greek priest, and he used to build churches, so they were prominent in the Greek community. And one time, she was only four years old, and uh, uh, they went to a cathedral, uh, uh, yeah, it was a cathedral, I think, or a very large church where the archbishop was there. They were inaugurating this whole building. It was a huge deal, and everybody was there. And, of course, you know, Barbara and the family were prominently there. And little four-year-old Barbara still can't understand what she's seeing, but she's looking at the aura of the arch- archbishop, and she sees not these beautiful colors, but these dark, grotesque colors around him. And she's like, what's going on here? But the bishops on either side of them had these beautiful colors. So at the end, you're, you know, you're supposed to kiss the hand, in this case, the archbishop. Little Folier Barba blurts out in front of the whole group, oh, no, I'm not kissing his hand. He's a monster. He eats children. <laughs> wow. So she learned to start to keep quiet about that kind of stuff. And um, when she was 11, she was in a theater group. And the leader was Dorothy Lamas. She was this theater stock company owner. And one more one Saturday, she just come into my you know my my private area, my home. Uh, I want to talk to you. And she thought, oh, she's going to drop me from the troop. And basically, Dorothy confronted her and said, "You can see the aura, can't you?" And Barbara's mouth drops. Says, "Is that what it's called?" And then she said, "I'm a hermetic scientist. My mother, grandmother are both hermetic scientists. I see the aura like you, and I want to teach about your gifts." And so she started training her in understanding what the different colors meant and all of that. So that started to empower her. Um, the other woman she studied with, uh, um, uh, Inez, uh, Inez was already, you know, very awake and mystic, but she never went on the, pu- there's the kind of secret stuff. She never went on the public platform. She only had these closed classes. Uh, and so when they started right away, Inez saw the potential and she would say to Barbara, you know, you're meant to go into the public. Because at that point, again, talking about the aura, it was like, come on, are you kidding? It was before even curling photography, you know. Um, but this woman, and there's a beautiful story in the book where they had this tremendous out-of-body experience together. They both went out of their body together. And she was training Barbara in the heaven worlds, helping to build her devotion to the divine. So um, they had many experiences like that until basically Barbara was ready to to go on her own and really start, you know, teaching the work, which she did in the 1970s. I met her in the 1980s. Again, I just I was only like two, three years in L.A. And suddenly all this other stuff was happening to me. And uh, she was, interestingly enough, just restarting her her classes. She had taken a sabbatical. So the timing was great. We kind of came together and it, it was just out of the box, we started working together, writing together, you know, and the rest of they say is history. Wow, that's fantastic. You mentioned mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln. Can you give us any other modern or modernish examples of of these incarnations? Yeah, well, I mean, there's obvious ones like Mahatma Gandhi or Mother Teresa. They're they're definitely heavenly souls. They can come in through religious Sometimes they do come in like Mother Teresa because she's on that mission. Uh, definitely they have said, you know, Albert Einstein was a, a definitely a, a soul from the heaven worlds. Uh, not all the popes, but John Paul was from the from the heaven worlds as well. 
Um, now, interesting, some of them, like, for example, Paramahansa Yogananda, um, he was from what we call the interplanetary world. So these are the realms, at least in his lifetime as Yogananda, that was years ago. We don't know where exactly where he is now. And that was, those are the realms between the astral and the heavenly. So he was in, but yet his teacher, Sri Uteswar, was a heavenly soul. So, and I, I don't know the reasons exactly, but I'm, I always have thought, well, Yogananda had to break so much ground. So being a little bit, you know, the, the interplanetary, maybe people could relate to him better. And it, would be, it was an easier connection because he was remarkably successful. You know, the, probably of the early East Indian gurus or swamis that came over, he was the most successful. One of his big places is here in Encinitas. I like to joke that Encinitas has two cardinal virtues, uh, yoga and surfing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else from your book that we should touch on before we run out of time? Well, um, boy, there's so much to talk about, but definitely, you know, you hit so much about the practical aspects to, to really focus on developing a connection. If you were to realize again that every all the inspiration you're getting is coming from those inner worlds, then it means that the more you start connect with them, the better. And you did talk about the cautionary tale too. You know, some people when they get so excited with the spiritual, they want to just accept anything and everybody, but just be like you said, be discerning. Uh, is it bringing out the best in you? Is it, you know, does it obviously you don't want to do anything that questions your, you know, your ethical nature. Uh, Barbara's story about the woman that was caught up with a Jim Jones. What, oh, what a yeah, right. Story that yeah. was, you know, and she Jim Jones, like Dallas Cowboys owner, Jim Jones. No, no that's like Jerry Jones. Jim Jones uh, massacre. <laughs> the Jim Jones massacre. The Jim Jones yeah. massacre. I don't yeah. remember. Like she, Barbara went there and, and tried to take a couple people, you know, probably tried to say warn, warn a couple people, Right. right. And, uh, right. and, and, and oof, uh, so, I think did, what well, maybe you should tell the story if, if well, okay. I'll just, again, it, it's, I don't want to leave on this, on this sad note, but basically Jim Jones was sort of this preacher socialist. I don't know what you want to call him, but he was up in the Bay area of San Francisco. And the tragedy was as he, as, as the, as the uh, authorities were starting to catch up with him, he decided to flee the country. He went to Guyana he brought a lot of his group there and started a commune there. And some of the family members were getting very worried about their, you know, their loved ones. So they sent the state representative down and basically some of the, the people in the commune killed them. Yeah. And then, then they knew, you know, it was all over. And Jim Jones was half insane by then. He basically told all his followers to take this electric Kool-Aid and commit mass suicide. Oh, he's the Kool-Aid guy? Yeah, he's the Kool-Aid guy. Well, 800 the, people died that day. They all drank the Kool-Aid? Did, did did he drink the Kool-Aid? Well, he was dead. I'm a, I don't know if it was from the Kool-Aid or from something else, but they found him dead too. Yeah, so, uh, uh, but Barbara knew one of the women. I can't even get 800 people to support. <laughs> 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 well, he must have had a certain magnetism, right, to be able to, to do that. But back when, you know, Barbara uh, had friend, a student was in the group and she went to, uh, she knew something was wrong. And she went to one of the meetings in San Francisco 
And she said, boy, the minute I saw him and saw his aura, I knew this guy was no good. He had done terrible things, including probably murder. And she started to leave. Interesting enough, she said there was this big bruiser at the door. She says, nobody leaves a Jim Jones rally. And she said, you want to make a bet? You watch me. And she left. Her, her friend was insulted. But she called her up and I says, please get away from him. He's absolutely no good. She said, Barbie, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, not only did she go down to Guyana, she brought her family and she convinced another family to go down there. And I guess while they were down there, um, her aunt died. Joan said, you know, go back to the States, get the money and come back. While she was in the States, her family and her, the family, her friend's family, they all died. But wow. she lived. Yeah. Of wow. the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Of the, the Kool-Aid. Kool yeah. The cyanide, whatever they put in the Kool-Aid. Yeah. The cyanide. Yeah. It's a horrible story. And they're still trying to. Because they caught the spaceship, out. right? Is that, was that the. No, that's. A that's one. here. I hate to say that. That happened here in Rancho Santa Fe. Oh, I've got. I'm mixing they up they my were going cults. on the spaceship. That, that was Heaven's Gate people. 50 right. people committed Heaven's suicide Gate. on that one. Did they drink Kool-Aid too? What did they No, do? they had the purple shoes, I think, or something. Or... How did they do it? I don't remember, but it was nasty. Yeah. I hate to say it, it was nearby us. You know, it is very California is very Bay. famous for cults. Well, I get yeah, and, and this is a very wealthy area. It happened in Rancho Santa Fe, where all and the communes too. Yeah, well, you know, I guess we're the cutting edge of things here, and sometimes it works on the good end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Because well, like Manson and all that was in California too. Yeah, wasn't it? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's yeah, let's right. fi let's finish off on a on, on a high note, note on, yeah. an <laughs> yeah. on an enlightenment note, or on the you know on the heavenly realm at least. Well, the point is, heaven is real. Okay, it's not a fantasy. It's not makeup land. And you are receiving from it now. You are receiving the ideas that are flowing that are truly helping you in your life are coming from the heaven worlds. So the goal is start connecting with heaven now. Start, you know. If you're not meditating, I hope you're going to start to try practicing it. You know, they've shown even 30, if you practice, if you meditate every day, 30 minutes for three months, discernible change in your brain, and it will help you to get connected to these inner realms and be a part of them. And I guess the other message is you don't have to go in order, astral, 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 uh, heaven. You just go, you can go right to heaven. Well, you can connect from heaven, you will evolve through those planes, but the goal is you need sort of like the source to help sort of pull you up, you know, so that you're coming from the higher as you're evolving through these astral planes and all that that's encompassed in them, because the astral is very important. You accomplish, accomplish a lot of things there. You drop your lower nature, you gain your enlightenment, you know, all those things happen in the astral worlds. So they are important and they're very, you know, near us right now. Um, so they're not, uh, you know, they're, again, they're not the heaven worlds, but they're close to us right now. Yeah. Right on. Well, this has been, this has been super fun. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Do you Thank have any you. Questions, Darren, at the end or final questions or. Well, I'm thinking about the have the heaven world. Is that like, uh, is that the same as the astral realm? No, it's, 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 Those no, are it's two different, different places. Yeah. So the astral has these mixed levels. But the heavenly is all developed. It's all enlightened. As a matter of fact, bring up Blavatsky again. They, she didn't quite use the word heaven, but they asked her, when you get to those high planes, you know, you've reached perfection. Is it over? Are you, you know, on clouds playing harps? Or, you know, what happens, you know, when you get there? And I love her answer. 
to know you grow from perfection to perfection. You know, you reach one, it's like you climb on Everest, you say, hey, I did it. And then you look back and you realize, oh my God, there's another mountain twice as big as Mount Everest. <laughs> but I think that's a great idea because the adventure never ends. I would hate to think we reach this static place and then it would get boring, you know, as beautiful as it may be. But since life is an adventure, hopefully it keeps going on. So are we talking about like heaven from the Bible or is this like a heaven that's more overarching to heaven, heaven from all idea, the yeah from everything? From yeah, like... you know, it's really interesting, but the, the idea of heaven can be traced all the way back to the Mesopotamia times and even the specific seven heavens. So the, the, the Christian Bible has kind of probably our most popularized understanding of heaven comes from the Christian, but even specifically, you know, um, uh, Emmanuel Swedenborg, but in the 1600s, he was a theologian and a mystic, and his depiction of the heaven worlds even holds true to today. And he kind of set the bar. But but really, when you study, there are, there are heavenly traditions in almost all the mystical teachings. Again, we're interpreting them through the religious veil, but we have to understand that it is a real place. And again, it's not, it's not a religious, you know, I'll only go there if I'm religious. You go there when you've earned the power to be able to go there. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Great. Is there any zodiac signs that are closer than others? Does that ever play into it or so? Because remember some people talking to us about how the Zodiac was like a cycle and you could like work your way through that and you had to get through that before. Well, you that's could... a fascinating study, the esoteric astrology, because that's about the rhythm of the cosmos, right? Because the cosmos is in motion. So there's a rhythm to our enfoldment. And you're absolutely right. There are these cycles of enfoldment. And the, the Zodiac energy is coming from the heavenly realms as well. Absolutely. Um, it actually, the astrology, you know, it's very interesting. We, we see that, for example, the geocentric model of the universe, and we say, hey, that's outgrown. We, you know, we know the center, the Earth's not the center of the universe. But the mystics used that model as a veiled allegory of our ascent from Earth-based consciousness to the heavenly consciousness and the levels it takes to get there. So it is interesting that, you know, Yes, we're outgrowing some misunderstandings of, you know, the past, but also the ancients had a lot of knowledge. You know, they, they knew, for example, the Earth revolved around the sun. They just couldn't prove it, you know, and you couldn't talk about it openly because you, you'd probably get ostracized. I think some did. There was a couple of Greek philosophers that tried to, and nobody believed them, you know. Um, but it seems like the Egyptians were just open to it. Yeah, they were. The Egyptians had some of the most advanced mystery schools of all time. Uh, you know, people talk about the pyramid, the Great Pyramid was built by aliens and all that kind of stuff. Who could have that kind of brain power back then? But they don't realize the initiates did have that brain powder back then. <laughs> they were fully capable of doing that stuff. And in, in, in our, in, from what we understand, that Great Pyramid is it was originally a pyramid of initiation. That pyramid was used where the wow. initiates would go through their grand initiations. And Is that's that what the cathedrals were for, too? Well, in a, in a religious sense, yes. The same thing. You know, the grand... I mean, what a, you know, today, the, the, the monoliths are the monoliths of, of finance, right? The high-rises and all that. But in other times, the monoliths were either the religious or the mystical, because those were the things that were highly valued. We, 
we promote the things we value most. Right now, we seem to put a high premium on money, you know, and and accumulating wealth. And that's important. But they also teach us one of the great lessons on the planet right now is to put divine above money. Because once we can harness the energy of the earth energy, but for a spiritual purpose and not just selfish gain, we're going to enter a whole new era of spiritual development as a world. And that's the direction we're going in. Well, people like to paint the glass half empty, but if you look at the last hundred years, how much better overall the conditions of life were compared to a hundred years ago? Yeah, we have a long ways to go, but we've come a long ways. Yeah. And we need to acknowledge that. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, do you yeah. have a website or social media or anything oh, yes. like that Thank where you. our listeners yes. can yeah. track you down? Uh spiritual our, well, our organization is Spiritual Arts Institute, spiritualarts.org. We're a nonprofit. And um, if you just type in Spiritual Arts Institute, you can go to our, our, our website or our social media page. And um, we're having classes and workshops coming up. Where our foundational course, Change Your or Change Your Life, teaches you how to meditate with divine light. We have the whole seven arts training program, of which we're talking today is one of the courses, how to help you evolve through the planes. And the whole foundation, everything we do is meditating with divine light to help you grow spiritually. Our motto is helping souls grow. Awesome. Sounds fantastic. We'll put it all in the show notes and we'll let you know when it comes out. Great. All right. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, I loved your book and uh, yeah, it was a great chat. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dimitri. Right on, Dimitri. Thanks for coming on the show. Okay. Appreciate it. (laughs) Okay. Bye-bye. And that was our chat. What'd you think? Yeah, it was good. What'd you think? Yeah, we're on a we're on a real Jesus Jesus tear lately. I guess this one was less Jesusy. Oh my God! Yeah, way less. much less. Forget Jesus-y. that heaven and Jesus yeah. don't. They don't mix. I think I'm like I'm scared of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> we got to read that. Out. We got to read that in the next intro or something. We got some feedback. I got it. Handy. America outlawed. Oh yeah, okay. Read you want to just read it now? Sure, if you want. Yeah, but I'm gonna read it later too. Or you gonna read it twice? Yeah, definitely. Why? On because I want to read it on the outlawed show. It's from the outlawed show. Didn't I send it to you? Uh, yeah. See, now he's already, he's got, I got it right here, and then he can't find well, it. Well, I got it right here. I sent it to you. You're, you're all texty again. You're texting more than you have been when you were sick. Nine. America Outlawed. New reviews. Three stars. Awesome guests. They have great guests, but for some reason, the hosts are afraid of Jesus. It's pretty embarrassingly immature. I mean, I don't know if that's immature. I mean, jeez. Jesus. Is it because we're not, we don't believe? We're not bringing him into our lives. That's how, they, I how think that's they what they mean. Because, because we're resisting Jesus. We were overtly resisting bringing Jesus into our lives. While you were bringing Jesus people on the show. Yeah, well, I mean, we t- we had a bunch of different, t- t- you know, different people talking about it. I mean, both sides of the house. So how can we be scared of it? If we're approaching it from all sides, but we, I mean, we chickened we out at the last minute because we haven't brought of it. We haven't Someone accepted messaged it the other day that, that part of the show should be called Graham Dunlop's search for God. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah good. That nice. could be a segment. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> See? There it is. Who is he? Did you find him? You know what I want to know? Uh-oh. How to go learn for a couple of years in the astral realm and then come back two hours later. Well, let's just run upstairs. I got you. You got me. You got me covered. Yeah, I got you covered. I mean, really. I can't. You're clean and sober. I did. 
Is it too late? For what? To learn that? How to what? Smoke DMT? Dude, no, to, <laughs> le- to go to the astral realm and learn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think so. For a long time. Like spending But here's there. the thing. Even if you figure it out when you're like 75, now you have all the time in the world to spend in the astral realm. That's right. Years at a time. You could do years at a time in the, in the schools, learning stuff. Just while you're sleeping. Yeah. You could come back two hours later. Just all night. One night, you just spend years learning. Uh, well, that would be something. You think you'd wake up tired? Oh, you'd be exhausted. Yeah, it'd take you a couple, couple like, couple weeks. To catch like up. you're burning. What? Where's the energy coming from? <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're yeah. tapping into free energy. Yeah, maybe to yeah. run you. Yeah, to run you. Well, your body just withers away. Run me in that realm. Yeah, my just, body. I feel like my body's withering away right now. In all the wrong places. <laughs> <laughs> Your arms look a little smaller. Oh, I, I'm, dude, I'm, I've lost like 18 pounds probably. Now you got to start running. Oh, I can't even imagine. I think I'm going to start running. I tried working a few hours a day here and as I almost What do you do when it's cold though? I overdid it. Um, I overdid it. Yeah, I'm exhausted today, tonight. Well, I mean, a couple of weeks in my, in the house, I have, I was winded. Plus, yeah. the, plus the COVID probably does it a bit too. But yeah. I mean, you you've been in the house a while. What does that have to do with being winded? Well, I'm just saying, after me being in the house for two weeks because of the quarantine and everything, I mean, three weeks ago or four weeks ago now or whatever, when we're in Washington, I was climbing mountains and running down them and jumping in the water. And then, you know, I go back to work after two weeks in the house and like going up to the sixth floor. I'm like, whoo, <laughs> I'm not only winded, but I feel it in my legs too. Yeah. I can like feel the burn. And you've just been, you know, you like, you're recently uh, into the new life, which you've embraced. And I was, but you, you did go out painting already once and it was fine. When? Before, before COVID. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no did, that like, was good. Two yeah. Weeks oh straight. yeah, no, that was hundred. That was fine, hundred percent. No, it's now. I'm. It's it's. Oof. It's a bit much. You gotta work for it. You gotta get after it. Yeah. We should go trail running. Oh, I can't. I can't even imagine. No, I need to rest. Remember, so. you used to make fun of O'Leary for <laughs> tumbling down the hill. Yeah, I used to run down mountains. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I don't you could do it in those little shoes. <sighs> Even with those claws you guys used to strap on your feet, <laughs> O'Leary tumbling down the hill. He missed like a week of work because of that. He broke both of his ankles. <laughs> or he sprained both of his ankles on two different, two carry, different accidents. Did you have to carry him out? <laughs> did you have to carry him out? <laughs> uh, I think I had to help him out. <laughs> You're in a survival situation. Just about, yeah. I mean, I saw him parallel to the to the ground. I look back and I see him flying through the air. Oh. I wonder what ever happened to him. I hope I shouldn't did. have set the pace, really. Yeah. I should let him go I mean, first. You gotta set the, you gotta set your own pace. It's up to him to decide whether or not he can keep I up. I guess this is the problem is when people are pushing themselves to catch up to you. Yeah, and they fall. There's nothing worse than falling when you're running down a hill. Especially if you're going like full tilt. Sometimes when I get going, I'm just like, oof. 
if fucking something fucking fails here, oh yeah, it's that's what's so exciting about tumble. it. I mean, that's yeah. what's so exciting. Every footfall matter. You're matters. just you're like every you're fucking, completely every in the moment. Matters. You're watching you exactly where every fucking foot's gonna. Roll. Exactly. And with those new boots that fucking tie into your ankle, so they give you some, so you can actually roll it a little bit, and it's uh, all right. I don't like that. I, I like, like the shoes. I don't know how you can do it in those shoes. It's no wonder he broke both his ankles. <laughs> all right, no, he sprained both. I don't want to be sprained. misinformation. He's a broken man. For America.ca slash support, if you can, when you can. Um, we can't do this without you guys. We love you. I mean, uh, we've been doing this eight, nine years now. We'll be going on nine years. We're heading into winter. All the bills come up. Uh, this is a full-time gig now for Graham. So, I mean, all that winter expenses come along. America.ca slash support. If you guys want to jump on the supporter bandwagon, help us get up to maybe 800 supporters. I mean, if they can get 800 people to drink the Kool-Aid, we can't get 800 people to click the fucking monthly support link. <laughs> Help us change that statistic. America.ca slash support. Uh, adultbrain.ca if you want to check out all the audio books Graham's been doing. The Religion of the Chinese is officially out now. Nice. Through the Magic Door, Isis Unveiled, Volume 1. Through the Magic Door Zone? Yeah. Well, and we just talked about all the Blavatsky stuff. See uh, Isis Unveiled, 35 Hours, Secret Doctrine, Volume 1, 35 Hours. Was Isis Secret Unveiled book. that long? It was 30, maybe. 30 hours? Yeah, yeah, wow. That was a big book, yeah. There's about 150 hours of Graham reading Blavatsky. Oh. And, and there's some great mispronunciations in there, too. I mean, they're, oh, they're yeah, worth the some... price of fucking admission. Just, just to check it own. out, just to yeah. make fun of me. Things go owry sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that's it. Uh, spam Graham. Graham at GrahamAcroamerica.com. Join the chats. GrahamAcroamerica.ca chats. If you got to get off this social media bullshit and get into the chats. I think that's about it. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. I'm walking gingerly through the rat race. Take a look at the big old smile on my face. Kicking around down by the pool of narcissists. The people are many, they preen themselves. Oh, how they navel gaze. Somewhere over that hill, the gloomy skies cease to exist. I'm climbing that hill, I pass by and pity the poor Sisyphus. I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. I'm strolling down a static electric avenue. The people are predictable, they say, good morning, how do you do? When out of nowhere, a randomly pure angel in the crosswalk bumps into me. And in doing so, knocks all the evil and all the wind out of me. And it's black as tar, ugly as ever, and of no apology. This angelic mama sings heavenly of the truest theology. Together we're a seraphim dream, forever young with no chronology. A thousand years from now, we'll be written into ancient mythology. We go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. Can you tell me about the view up there? It's sparkling remarkably, the air is crystal clear. 
Well, please won't you tell me what it takes to transcend this place? A little bit of heart and a whole lot of soul. Take a look at the big old smile on my face. As my angel says, dance with me and your life will never, ever, ever be told. I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. 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 Turn into a beam of light.